So we are uh, wrapping up this series, um, Habitat, and we are wrapping up this series, but if you got the email that I sent out this morning, this is really the beginning. I, I hope that this is a, a just a new and fresh way for us to be reminded of the life that God calls us to. Uh, when we step into salvation, for those that have invited Christ into our life, <clears throat> It's our desire to not just kind of check off the box of, okay, we've done this kind of spiritual thing and now we get on with our life. We integrate our lives into this habitat, into this place where um, life is uh, lived to its fullest, where we experience, experience vibrancy and growth. And it's a natural thing for us to experience those things. So uh, we will continue um, in the weeks and months ahead to return to this growth acronym that we have used, uh, G-R-O-W-T-H. Um, we began um, earlier in January talking about the importance of a habitat, <clears throat> a healthy habitat being grounded in God's narrative. And we are rooted in his love. And as we root ourselves in his love, we can pay attention to those desires, those yearnings, um, the ways that we can give back to the world. And we're going um, to kind of key in on that aspect in just a few minutes. Um, we do this in the context of an orchard of community. We, we come together and we remind each other, hey, you, there's a, a great purpose that you have, and we want to help you live into that. Uh, we also, in that orchard of community, we, we sojourn together in winters of pruning. And Last week, we talked about a trellis of practices, uh, just the way that we can structure ourselves to grow up towards God and out towards others. And that's that's really what it culminates, how it culminates in a harvest of good works. We um, are offering our best self for the sake of others. We are growing, not so we can say we grew, not so we can say, hey, look at how um, mature I am or how far I've come. It's so that we have our best selves to offer to the world. It brings glory to God, but we are saying, yes, we want this. Um, we want to give our best selves to the people around us. And so um, these principles of growth, not just for growing sake, and we uh, will continue to come back to this and we'll tie in different passages of scripture with each one of those letters from that acronym and encourage each other to, to thrive really in a, in a habitat that God created us for. Um, we have several times over the last few weeks uh, dipped into a passage in Luke 24. And if you've got a, a Bible handy, <clears throat> um, whether it's an app or an actual uh, Bible, turn to Luke 24. And this is the story of these two disciples, Cleopas and an unnamed disciple, that are on the road to Emmaus. And it is the morning of the resurrection. It is a Sunday morning um, the, uh, the it was the third day Jesus was was raised to new life, but these two disciples were not aware of that, and so kind of with a, a really heavy heart and a sense of hopelessness, they are walking away from Jerusalem, walking away from their hopes, and headed to Emmaus when they had this encounter with Jesus. But at first, they didn't know that it was him. And I want us to pick it up in just uh, there towards the very end of that story in verse 30. And this is when their eyes were opened and they first began to see Jesus. 
Um, when Jesus was at the table with them, in other words, when they arrived in Emmaus, um, they invited this stranger to stay with them and to share a meal with them. And so Jesus began as an invited guest, but then he became the host when he, as it says in verse 30, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Um, in other words, um, that our hearts were burning. There was evidence of God's goodness in our life. And we, we missed it then, but this is um, something that we want to take note of. This was an, an ember moment for them, going back to um, our thoughts a few months ago about how we are not invited to be a member at a church. We are invited into this gracious gift of being an ember. Uh, one who is passionate and on fire for Christ and the things of God. Um, and so these two disciples um, begin to turn back to Jerusalem, as we'll read. And in their ember moment, they didn't simply return as a member of a church or merely as a member of God's family. They returned as embers, their hearts burning with a personal encounter with the risen Christ. Um, a couple of a couple of Sundays ago, <clears throat> in case you were not on the Zoom call with us uh, or didn't receive the churchwide email, Brian Kaplan announced that that he's going to be stepping down from his position as children's director. This has uh, been his title for for several years, but many years prior to that, he and Stacy and family have been such a, a core part of uh, of Bay Marin. And the great news is that they are going to continue to be a, a core part. Uh, they are not moving away, not leaving the Bay Marin family, that they are um, they are now going to be able to <clears throat> uh, focus more of their attention on their call to be uh, ministers right there in their community and their neighborhood. But I mentioned this now to say if you spend a little bit of time with Brian and Stacy, you will feel their warmth as embers. And we got to talking as a staff and thanks to Naomi's creativity. Uh, we gave them a, a couple of coffee mugs and I believe, yeah, good. We got a, a picture of them. Um, on one side of the mug is the, the flames that you see that they, they really um, have been for us, this ember. This is what we think of for them. And then on the back side, it might be hard to read on your screen. So I'll tell you what it says. Um, etched into the backside of that glass coffee cup is 1 Thessalonians 2.8. And this is what we thought of as we reflected on the Kaplans and their ministry. And it says, um, uh, Paul is saying, because of our love for you, we shared with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well. And that was just such a, that we felt like that encapsulated so much of what the Kaplans do on a regular basis. Yes, they share the gospel, but they do it in a way that they are sharing their lives as well. Um, I don't know. I got to thinking about this last night. Brian and Stacey, I don't know that I've ever hung out at your house without there also being another knock on the door and, and one of your neighbors or somebody coming by just to say hi, and you welcome them in. And so thank you for the way you share the gospel. And thank you for the way that you share your life 
as well. And, uh, and so, uh, and Naomi, thank you for, for creating that um, as well. But I, I thought of that just as these disciples, here they have this encounter, their hearts are burning within them. And they don't just kind of say, oh, let's just stay here in this warm and cozy uh, mountaintop high. We read in verse 31, uh, 33, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. So they've made this seven mile trek to Emmaus. They realize they have had this amazing encounter with Christ and they're like, we cannot keep this to ourselves. They return at once to Jerusalem, and then it says that the two of them told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. The Emmaus Road disciples encountered the good news of Jesus risen, and then they shared that good news. And I want to say this for, for each of us. Um, our mission in this world always begins with a story to tell. Our mission in this world always begins with a story to tell. They returned because they had this great story that they wanted to tell. And I just put that, that line in the chat feature because I want us to keep coming back to that. <clears throat> Our mission in this world always begins with a story to tell our call is to share the good news that Jesus is risen and that we too can be raised to a new life in him. So I want us to, to kind of think through what is this good news that we share? Does that mean that as soon as uh, something happens to us, we go and say, hey, I just want you to know that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Well, yes and no, but uh, I want us to examine what does this, what does it look like for us to, uh, to participate in a harvest of good works and sharing the good news. This is the H of our growth acronym. This is kind of the culmination as we are in this habitat where we grow and we're experiencing this vibrancy of a new life in Christ. It produces in us a harvest of good works. Um, we go back to others and we say, hey, we have a story to tell. And it's the harvest of sharing this good news. Um, that's what the word gospel means. Very simply, it means good news. And so I want to be really clear about what the gospel is and is not. It's a it's kind of a churchy word. It's not one that we would um, uh, use a whole lot in ordinary talk, but it's mentioned so many times in the Bible and it's talked about in, in church settings. But the, the gospel, the good news is not, hey, do these things and say this prayer and everything is going to be okay. Uh, the gospel, the good news, is that by grace, there is a new way to live. As we partner with Jesus in dying to some old harmful patterns, he graciously leads us into a habitat where growth and a vibrant life is natural and normal, no matter your circumstances. The gospel is a life lived and the active power of God in and around us. It is that, that, that relief that it's not all up to us, that this is not a, a new way of self-help or self-generating this new life. It is actually a life of uh, being able to rest in God and his goodness and his power. And that life is available to us as a grace gift through Christ. 
Now I want to say uh, say this as we are, um, and and as so many of you in particular are active doers, you you do care so much about the people around you. You care about the environment and this earth that God has given to us uh, to to take care of. Doing good things can last a generation, but without gospel proclamation, there will be no church a thousand years from now or even one generation from now. Doing good things can last a generation, but without the gospel, we're missing a big piece of this. Remember, our mission in this world always begins with a story to tell. And that story is the good news of our encounters with the resurrected Christ. The best news you can share is how you encountered God in the here and the now, in the real and the rough and the raw of life, in the new and the surprising and the awe-inspiring of life. So my question is, what story do you have to tell? What new life have you encountered in Christ that others need to experience as well? Yes, we, we do good works, but at the core of this is the gospel. Doing good things will last, but without the gospel, the church won't last even another generation. So what story of good news, what gospel story do you have to tell? In Romans 10, 13, um, we read that the gospel is, is something that we proclaim. I'm going to put this verse in the, in the chat for you to read. Um, it, it says this, Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So when we proclaim the gospel, we are saying that if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Now remember, salvation, as it's referred to in the Bible, is a lifestyle, not an event. Salvation is life, with a capital L, life in what Jesus called the kingdom of heaven here and now. For, for people to call on the character of God and to enter into a salvation lifestyle there must be a gospel proclamation. We give voice to this. This is a part of a harvest of good works. It's, it is giving voice to um, the good news of what Christ has done. Romans 10 um, has this to say, how then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard and how can they hear without someone preaching, which more literally would be just making a public proclamation, voicing it to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So at the core of the good works that we are created for, um, there is an element of proclaiming good news. And the good news that you proclaim is how you personally are experiencing Christ. How have you experienced um, the new life of Christ being made manifest in you? 
could it be as simple as returning to those people most like you, those who have lost hope for the same reasons that you lost hope? Maybe those who walked away from Jesus in the same way that you walked away from Jesus? Um, not that it ends with going only to those who have a story similar to us, but possibly this is a great starting point. So think, think with me on this, and I'll give you a couple of personal examples. But some of the most powerful stories that we hear are stories of life change, and especially the ones that resonate with us. When we hear those stories of life change, we're like, I can relate to that, and I want more of that. And so I want to, I want to ask you right now, what is, um, what's your story? How are you encountering God in a way that is, is transforming you? And again, it's not, um, wow, I encountered God and now everything is great. It, is, it maybe is, I'm encountering God in the midst of what is really challenging right now. But his nearness and his goodness and his friendship in this is, is mean, it just means the world to me. So, who are the people that you would be willing to walk seven miles back to, to share your story with? Because I, I think each of us have that kind of a story that it resonates so deep within us, but we, we can't keep this to ourselves. And so I got to thinking about that just for me, and it may be very different for you. Um, many of my encounters with Jesus took place in spite of the darkness of depression and self-doubt and anxiety. And it's in the midst of those that God met me and my heart burned within me. My journey outward, the good works I am called to, often includes coming alongside people in emotional turmoil, people who are knotted up by fear. Um, when, when someone comes to me and, and, and talks about some of those tender experiences that they are having, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I, I get it. And I've got good news. Um, I want to tell you how I experienced the life-giving power of God in the midst of those encounters. That's a part of my story. Um, another part of my story, my encounters with Christ have been in the highs and lows of parenting. And God is using my role as a parent to bring about transforming growth in me. I mean, I, I kind of thought it was all going to be my job to raise up my kids. God is like, no, fooled you. I'm going to use your kids to raise you up, um, to grow you up. And so God is using my role as a parent to bring about a transforming work in me. Now, let me be clear, any growth I encounter is not because I'm figuring things out or that I've succeeded and I've finally mastered this part of parenting. No, the transformation that's taken place in me, it is totally because of God and his grace that he is meeting me in those actual highs and lows of parenting. And that's the good news that I share. I don't share the good news that I figured it out. I share the good news that God is very real in the midst of some of the most challenging times, and he sustains us. And I could say the same thing about anxiety or fear. The good news is not that I've conquered it. 
the good news is that I am encountering God in the midst of it. He, in his grace, will use even my greatest struggles to grow and transform me. That is the good news I share. And yes, I'm, I'll have encounters with God as I meditate on scripture, as I pray, as I look for him in the everyday ordinary of my life. And the good news that I share, it's not a technique or a method. The gospel good news is that if God will graciously reveal himself to me through scripture, if the, if the God who will graciously reveal himself to me in prayer or in nature, then that same God will graciously reveal himself to all people. That's the good news I share, that God wants to reveal himself to everyone, including you. So what is the good news that you can share? Where are you encountering Christ as alive and at work? Not because you can finally put a bow on that chapter of your life and things came together and now you can present it. Um, where are you encountering Christ as alive and at work? Where are you meeting God in the midst of the nitty gritty? And who can you tell about that? Let's sit with that for a minute. Literally, I want you to take just a minute in silence and um, to reach back to last week, we talked about a trellis of practices. Silence can be a practice that in which uh, we create space for God to speak and for us to listen. Um, and so I want us to take one minute, just one minute, and to sit quietly in God's presence and you can pray something like this. God, open my eyes to the times and places that you have been with me. Open my eyes to the ways that you were burning within me. And make me aware of those times because you were near. And make me aware of those times so that I can take that back out to others. So just sit in silence and invite him to reveal to you how he is active in your life. Would you even later on today um, continue to um, press pause and choose to be silent in God's presence and reflect on the story that you have to share? Um, would you make time this week to continue to sit in silence? Say, God, what is the story that you're authoring in me that I can share with the world? When we sit in silence, that's when we have the best words to share with others.
Um, when we sit in solitude, uh, that's when we are preparing ourselves to go back out and to be with others. So in silence, so that you can hear God's voice in solitude, so you can be just you and God, what is the story that you can take back out into the world? In Matthew 9, um, Jesus says something that is pretty, um, in some ways, it's great to hear this verse, but it can be a little bit intimidating at the same time. And let me explain. I'll begin by reading the verse. Matthew 9, 37 and 38. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. In other words, Jesus is saying there are people who are ripe to hear the good news. And Jesus is actually saying there are more people who want to hear the good news than there are people telling the good news. There are more people who want to hear the good news than there are people to tell the good news. And we can't overlook verse 36 that takes place right before that. Uh, Jesus says when he, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. It descri Matthew describes what Jesus was encountering. Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And out of that compassion, he said, oh, there is a harvest. There are some hurting people who are ripe to hear good news. Many of us think of Marin as not very open to the gospel, uh, to the proclamation of the risen Christ. Um, statistically, there are not a lot of people in Marin who attend church on a Sunday. Um, in fact, it's one of the lowest percentages in the United States, the number of people who attend church. Um, but what if, as Jesus said to his disciples, what if there is a great number of people around us who are ripe to hear and respond to Christ? And what if the real problem is that we as workers are having a limited number of encounters with the risen Christ to talk about? Each time we encounter Christ, we have a new story to tell. And maybe, just maybe, Marin has more people than we realize who are open to hearing about our encounters with Christ. Maybe, just maybe, we as Christians need to have more encounters with Christ every day, throughout the day. And as we encounter Christ, then we've got a story to tell. Then we have something going on that's much bigger than us. And we take that back out into the world. And that's the harvest that he invites us into. This harvest of good works, this harvest of good news that we take back out into the world. That's how we make a difference. Yes, we can do some good things. But it is proclaiming the good news, the gospel, that's going to really transform our communities. We have these encounters with Christ. We have them in the everyday ordinary. But I also want to um, remind us, and if you would uh, join me in grabbing communion elements, when we encounter 
um, when we partake of communion, it is one of the ways that we take an intentional step to encounter Christ. In fact, Christ kind of commanded it. He said um, when uh, he wants us to take uh, bread and cup, and he says, remember me, um, encounter me as you partake of these elements and what they recommend, uh, what they um, what they uh, what they uh, <laughs> I totally lost the word. What they represent, uh, they represent what he has done for us. And so, I want us to. I was uh, reading a, uh, an excerpt from a Henry Nouwen book uh, just the other day, and he talks about this pattern that we go through. It's a kind of a we cycle through this, an encounter and community and mission. And we saw it already in those two disciples on the Emmaus Road. They had an encounter with Christ. They went back to Jerusalem first to tell others, the other disciples, and then they launched out into ministry and mission. Encounter, community, mission. When we partake in communion, we are pausing and encountering Christ in our midst, revealed through the bread and the wine, and we do this together in community, and then we leave and we go out on mission. Our mission, we take this encounter back out into the world, today, tomorrow, and throughout the week. And then we gather again next Sunday, and this pattern begins again with an encounter in community, and we launch out into mission. You can begin your day with an encounter with Christ, and let that launch you out into community and mission. So I want us to take these elements and remember that we do this in community. And again, it begins with an encounter. How are you encountering the grace of God in this practice of communion? Christ in the community of his disciples took bread and he broke it and saying, this bread is my body given for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. Do this with me now. And Christ took the cup and said, this wine is my blood shed for you to be freed from your sins. Take and drink in remembrance of me. You have within you the gospel. You have within you the good news. The good news of what life is like because of God's gracious work in you. Um, did you join me this week and thinking through how can we have those encounters with Christ and share those encounters with Christ? Because maybe, just maybe, we are surrounded by people, even in Marin, who are eager to hear the gospel, the good news. Um, to close out our time, and not really to close out our time, but before we unmute the mics and we experience the uh, community aspect of our lives together before we launch out into mission, 
Um, Paul prays a prayer in Ephesians 3. And when I was, I was reading in Ephesians 3 earlier this week, and I thought, what a powerful prayer that Paul prayed for that church in Ephesus. And so I read back through it, and I changed the pronouns and uh, in a way that basically I was, um, I prayed it for our church, for you. And I want to, I want to pray that prayer over us. Uh, basically going to read Ephesians 3, but to read it as a prayer for each of us. Lord God, I pray that out of your glorious riches, that you may strengthen these people, Baymarin, with power through your spirit in their inner being, so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. And I pray that each of these people being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that they may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of you as their God. Now to you who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to your power that is at work within us, to you be glory in our church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen.